You are now listening to The Living Numbers and Tony Rambles. Tony Rambles. Tony Rambles. 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 And The Living Numbers Podcast. Hey, Tony. There he goes. What's going on, Richard? Oof, look at your background. Well, you've got the great pinball machines, you know, so. <laughs> Tony, I really appreciate you taking the time and putting those uh, questions out. You're a definite pro, more than prepared. And I was really having the tough time of giving you the five favorite arcade retro games. I was cracking my brain. but I think I got a pretty good answer for you. So I was looking, um, you know, depending on my research and what you do, that's always kind of how I tailor you know, what the, what the episode is going to be about. And I was looking at like top five selling, like the best sold arcade games. Uh, but we could definitely oh, talk about like that. I favorite. Know, but, uh, but I do know All right. my favorite I got five you. games, which will definitely date me and people will respect my taste. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've been, I mean, I've been a gamer for since probably Super Nintendo. I was doing a lot of watching because my dad and my older cousins, they were doing most of the playing. So, <laughs> so your dad and I could go back old school retro from asteroids and Pac-Man and those sort of games. But... See, see, see. Uh, so gaming is, is always going to be. I'm 33. Oh, all right. All right. I'm 49, about to be 50, but you're definitely way ahead of your time. When I was 33, I wasn't doing what you were doing. So, oh, you know, man. man, we all got to. You know, try to find our niche at some point, hopefully sooner rather than later. But I just I love this, man. This is awesome. Well, you're good at what you do. In fact, it inspired me enough to reach out to you. So you're going to get my best today. I'm going to give you everything. All my special. I'm glad. I was listening to you on a, a couple of other podcasts as well. So I'm like, oh, this is going to be electric. Like Richard, he's a talker. He's in. um <laughs> communications is his thing. He's got the degree and all of that stuff. So I'm like, oh, this is going to be fun. We are not going to compromise ethics, values, and morals. I'm not going to teach you how to lie, but I'll definitely <laughs> tell you to call people out when they're lying to you. And we're just going to compare <laughs> notes today, man. It'll be like a Lennon McCartney. We'll just keep going back and forth. Oh, man, you can't call me Lennon or McCartney. I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I <laughs> Sure you are. I know you're thinking 3045, bro. I can go a whole hour if we're running. You just let me know whatever you want me to do. I got the time. All right. I think we're ready. This is The Living Numbers Podcast, and I am your host, Tony Rambles. Thank you all for watching and or listening wherever you may be. Of course, we got to do our housekeeping first. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public. I mean, I'm everywhere. Anchor, which is where I post everything. Uh, make sure you follow me on TikTok and Instagram at underscore Tony Rambles underscore. You can email the show at one Tony Rambles at gmail.com. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you like comment, subscribe, share all of those great things. And uh, I have a wonderful guest for you all today. I can already, I mean, this, this is going to be great. I just know it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. So when I do these and I send my notes over to my, my, my guests, what I do not send over is the intro that I have for them. And so Richard is going to hear me Introduce him, and then uh, we'll see what he thinks about it. So here we go. Hailing from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the city of brotherly love. He holds a bachelor's in communications and Spanish. He also holds a master's in phonetic, semantic, and rhetorical delivery, both from the University of Arizona. The Wildcats, founder and CEO of Costa Rica Call Centers, CCC, where his state-of-the-art facility houses 150 agent seats, a limousine, and 11 restored American pinball machines for free use by employees. 
known on his pot on this podcast as the people's champion for his great communication skills, along with his charismatic management style. He believes communication is an art form. I agree. The thesaurus king, the ever listener, competitor, grinder, opportunist, Richard Blank. What do you think? Tony, I think I'm actually speechless. I cannot thank you enough for that amazing introduction. I guess we're just missing some trumpets and a red carpet. Yeah. But besides that, my main man, that was incredible. I really thank you so much, Tony. Well, I pride myself on doing my research so that I know about my guests when they come on. And when I listen to you on other stuff, I just grab these little tidbits. So you're on the podcast uh, talking about um, uh, telemarketing and sales. And so one thing that you said is you have to be a great listener because you may be on the phone with someone. And you never know what you can hear in the background that will help you to connect with that person and then be able to, you know, then dialogue and, you know, your whole 30 second breakdown. I was like, this dude is magical. Um, So we're going to start here. Our first number. Yes. Because I've lived abroad before as well. And we're going to talk about that. Okay. Our first number is $119 a month. I believe. That was my storage bill. When I pull all of my stuff in storage, my wife and I, and we moved over to China oh, wow. for a year. This was 2016. I had just graduated college. I was working at Chase Bank and I was like, do I want to continue doing this? And the answer was no. And so I moved. I just, we just, we just did it. And so I want you to now kind of share your story, a little bit of your background, being from Philly. And so how'd you get to Costa Rica? My favorite question, Tony. Thank you so much. I know. I know. (laughs) My story begins in Northeast Philadelphia back in 1991 when I graduated the proud Abington High School. Now, most of my friends, Tony, were going to Ivy League to study medicine, law, engineering, and architecture. But mm-hmm. I guess I was a dreamer. I wanted to double down on my favorite class, which was Spanish. So I decided to go to the University of Arizona, be a Spanish communication major. During college, I needed experience. So I interned for Telemundo for two years doing promotions and public relations. Mm-hmm. Postgrad, I landed the coolest job, the importers of Corona beer. So I used my Spanish promotions, public relations, and sales to land accounts in the Southwest of the United States. But when I was Mm -hmm. 27, back in August of 2000, a very good friend of mine offered me an opportunity to come to Costa Rica for just two months to teach English at his call center. Who wouldn't say yes to that? You know this, one in a million (laughs) opportunities you and I are gonna take. And so I took that opportunity, worked there for four years, learned the business. And in my mid thirties, threw my hat in the ring, started my own center. And here we are today, 14 years later. Man, that's... And that's the Cliff Notes version. I'm sure there are all kinds of intricacies. And I listened to your, your keynote speech for your, for your high school. Did you and know? just so many nuggets in there. So I want you to do this. I want you to compare yes. Philadelphia, like growing up, Northeast Philadelphia and Costa Rica. Like what are the, the com- comparisons and, and the contrast? Because I definitely have my own being from Detroit. And now living in Houston and then moving to China. So what what are your like biggest things that were, oh, crap, I really have to make some adjustments here. Tony, my my good friend, the first thing is the things that we hold so dear in Philadelphia really doesn't mean anything when you move outside the country. So it's really about your essence. But I prepared for this. The first impression I gave to the Costa Rican Ticos was not only an open mind, but I mastered their language. So I showed my dedication, my structure, my commitment to communicate with them and open those doors. Let's talk about Philadelphia for a minute. I give (laughs) my friends the utmost respect and credit, plus the principals of the schools and the teacher of the school, because there is something about Philadelphia. And I I do respect your Detroit, but you know, Philly's got a special sauce to us. And so my friends were confident in regards to athletics and academics. We were cool when it came to hanging out with friends and going on dates And it instilled in me the sort of self-confidence and Mm. self-reliance 
that my friends did because they were just at such high yeah. levels and raised the bar in everything that it made me compete. But the one thing about Philadelphia, and I guess Rocky took it, is going the distance. In Philadelphia, we go 15 rounds. We might get beat up, but we're going the distance. And there's that sort of grit and that sort of courage and heart that I mm. needed to take that step to move abroad like you did with China, I did with Costa Rica. But how about this? Our great-grandparents, and I'm not sure of your family, but mine came from Europe. So my great-grandfather came from Europe to the United States, learned a second language, mm -hmm. was an entrepreneur. And so when my parents at 18 said to me, Richard, what are you doing? Why aren't you going to Harvard or Columbia Business or Washington Lee and study finance like my family? I want to do it like great-grandpa. I'm still a Renaissance man, maybe a romantic. Yeah. And I wanted to take the chance in myself. And so I just kept doubling down on all of my passions. And I guess through good faith, it brought me here today. The stars became aligned to me. Who is your, like, who's your coolest friend growing up? I got so many, but I guess my oldest and best friend is the one that grew up on the street with me. His name is yeah. Danny. He was literally about five, five doors down. I used to have dinner at his house and my brother was best friends with his older brother. But my friend Danny went to Penn and, you know, his brother is one of the top doctors in Philadelphia. And so wow. I'm dealing with somebody that was super smart, but also super cool. So those are the yeah. sort of things that instilled in me that fortunately growing up, I had such quality as a best friend growing up on my street, which assisted me. But I also made additional friends once again in high school and in college. But I guess someone that I've been friends with almost 50 years has been there for me my entire life. And so, yes, my friend, that is one of my greatest people in my life. Hey, shout out to Danny, because you need those aces in the hole. Like if there's anybody that you can call, like there's always there's always a guy like Danny for you. Uh, for me, that would be my brother, Keith. I feel like uh, and he's my my stepbrother, but growing up with uh, a blended family and so many of us, like we didn't even use the word step because, you know, that's my brother. You know, I would cut for him like I would cut for my, my brother, Troy, who I talk to dang near every day. So one thing that is different is and my dad talks about this, too, how the neighborhoods were so cohesive growing up, like everybody was outside Oh, yeah. Everybody knew each other. He talked about the baseball teams because my dad was a football player. He was a baseball player, really good at both, had tryouts with some professional teams, but he had two kids and a wife. So it was only so much that he could juggle. Uh, sure. But the the community was something that was so big growing up for him. It was like that to some degree, I feel like for us. But as we have gotten older and technology has gotten greater. I feel like the communities have changed. I wouldn't say they've gone away, but everything's digital. Everything's like video games and hubs and that kind of thing. But I've seen that old style communities in China where like people were always outside. People knew their neighbors. It was very, very different than it is here. That's true. Ask your dad if he like captured the flag and kicked the can. Those are the best games back <laughs> in the day. Especially when the neighborhoods, you had backyards without fences, you could really run up and down the street. But, um, you know, back in our day, your father and mine, we only had a couple channels on TV. We really didn't have cable. And only right. your cartoons came on Saturday. So the best thing for you to do is not sit inside all day watching black and white war movies. You're outside with your friends playing until your mom starts screaming for you to come home. And, you know, it's kind of cool, Tony. Your mom's voice could travel two or three blocks. You know you can hear it. Oh, yeah. You, know you got to get home. So uh, like, I miss those days. I think it's time. I think it's time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. What's your favorite part about Costa Rica? My favorite part about Costa Rica is the ecotourism. I mean, growing up in Philly, I had my four seasons. In Costa Rica, we just have wet and dry. But I've never been to a place where I've seen such vegetation, the flowers, the plants, the, the animals. I mean, the fact that monkeys and iguanas can come into your room. And if you just drive Whoa. outside the city, you're in the middle of the rainforest. And I love a convertible. So I'm always cruising the country, chilling. OK, and hey, what's your convertible of choice? I have two. I got a CLK Mercedes convertible, but I do prefer my 92 uh, Cabriolet convertible because it reminds me of the first car I got, which was a 1980 Rabbit convertible. 
And so I don't need okay. to flash the cash down here. Don't really want to be <laughs> a target, but I just like to have a chill car, manual roof, top down, cruising around, listening to my eighties music. I'm a happy cat. I mean, if you pull Man. up next to me in the morning, you'll see me singing in excess before getting to work. So it's kind of funny. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So here we go. Here we go. Now you really, you really touched a nerve here. Okay. I've got a playlist and my kids, cause I'm a school teacher. So, okay. and I teach speech class. So we're both like communication enthusiasts, I would say. Yeah. And my go-to playlist is my old school. And most of the time it's like seventies and eighties, just, you know, kind of classic rock. I'm not really much of an R&B guy, but I get a lot of this this music taste from who would you guess? My dad, of course. Of course. And so what's one of your your favorite I don't want favorite songs to kind of rock out to getting ready for work. It really depends on the day. But, you know, yep. I am an NXS fan. But lately I've been listening to some heart Barracuda. That gets me worked up. Yeah. New Order. Blue Monday can get me going. I like the Stones Mother's Little Helper. I like the U2 better than the real thing. So I mean, yes, I just here we go. match. I mean, I'll even do Stevie B, Part of Your Body. Ask your dad about that one. It's Spring Love. He knows those <laughs> songs. But, uh, you know, it, it really all depends. But, you know, I'm just looking for things to remind me of back mm. in the day when I was really rolling and things were good and I didn't have a care in the world. And I also had a full head of hair. So if I can oh, put man. myself back in that sort of mindset that I'm ready to rock and roll. Okay. So were you a, a sports guy growing up in Philly? Yes, I was. I was a tri-letterman okay. in high school. I played golf, ice hockey, and lacrosse. And, um, you know, I was a huge Flyers fan. So my pop used to go down to the spectrum all the time during the 70s, during the Broad Street bully years. And I actually had the honor of meeting Bernie Perrant one time at Old York Road Skating Club. Wow. Hockey. But uh, yeah, I, I was an athlete. I enjoyed it. And also skiing. I used to go skiing once again out west and Europe sometimes and, and up in Vermont. And so my parents were very much into athletics. So we always grew up playing sports. What about yourself? What'd you do? Man, that's actually going to push us into our next topic, right? And so that's game three. NBA finals was last night. And I am a huge sports guy. So when I first talked about starting a podcast, everybody assumed that it would be sports. Okay. <laughs> and they were not off base to make that assumption. But I said, well, I want to talk about like whatever I want to talk about. I don't want to just be kind of cornered into sports. So uh, I grew up playing football. My dad was all football all the time. I grew up watching Barry Sanders, obviously being from Detroit. Uh, oh, the yeah. best running back of all time. Of all time. Um, and I grew up with the, the, the San Francisco 49ers with Jay Rice and Steve Young. Like Joe Montana was a little bit before I was watching football, mm -hmm. but Steve Young was the guy. And then like Jeff Garcia, <laughs> nobody remembers. Uh, and uh, I love those, those 49ers teams with Jay Rice because he, he just went about his business. And you look at his numbers, they far surpass everybody else's as far as receiving it's ridiculous and then you have the Detroit Red Wings who were very good with Sergey Fedorov and Eisenman and Chelios and those guys yes yeah, so when you have a good team you just become a fan like I don't know why I was a fan of the Lions it's only because I'm from Detroit but <laughs> but the Red Wings that team was really good growing up and we also had uh the pistons right we had the early 90s pistons which i was really young but we then we had the early 2000s pistons which i was along for the ride for with chauncey and rip and all of those guys so i've always been a sports uh fan like to the fullest and then video games exacerbates that which you know the nba lives the nba 2ks the nfl maddens i'm a big wrestling fan too very cool. So I've gotten back into wrestling a lot more than I would say probably in the last 10 years. Once the pandemic came around, I go back and watch old wrestling matches all the time. Mm -hmm. So huge sports fans. Are, are you watching uh, any of the playoffs right now? I do. I enjoy the playoffs and you're going to love this. Back when I was at the University of Arizona, I was yeah. a roommate with Khalid Reeves, who was a first round pick. 94 draft. And also I wow. lived with Ben Davis when he was a rookie for the Suns. 
And so cousin Joe was very good friends with them and needed certain minders to make sure that they stay out of trouble and be at the top of their game. And it was just amazing living with these incredible, not division one, these are some of the best athletes in the country and seeing the different side when they're off the court and ESPN's mm-hmm. not interviewing them. They're probably the most humble down to earth, hanging out, playing video games with you, eat, you know, eating some food, just, just chilling. And we're still yeah. such good friends to this day. And what that did, because I was in my twenties dealing with people that are getting million dollar contracts and just really starting right. their life. They kind of showed me the structure and the discipline and the mindset of being a winner, not just being mm-hmm. a winner. They're telling me about mastering levels because if they can't do it now, how are they going to do it in the pros? And then yep. you got to see how they treated people because everyone is just telling them how amazing they are. And they kind of didn't like that. They just wanted people to be right. real with them. And that's why I was capable of being an excellent roommate with these two gentlemen, because I'm not following sports like you did. I enjoyed it. I can't throw out stats. I was just their buddy, Rich, just just there to hang out (laughs) and just drive around town and chill with them. So I I think it was more of a release and escape from their very chaotic and hectic world that these two men were in. Like Rich doesn't want anything from us. He doesn't need anything from us. We're just we're just buddies. And I think we, we all need you know, those, those kind of friends, like you talked about the, your crew growing up and did you ever, did you ever play basketball with those guys? I would sure. shoot around, but once again, it was almost embarrassing. It was, more <laughs> like, it was like a pity part. I, I was last picked, right? <laughs> but that's okay. I don't mind. I don't mind getting assists and keep passing the ball and just yep. put me out in right field, picking daisies. I'm that kind of guy. But um, as I say before, it was just a lot of fun just seeing these individuals at such high level. So I would ask certain skills, how do you hit a certain jump shot and what do you do for layups? And one time Lid showed me what the playbook was that Lute Olsen showed him. And I'm looking at those and this man is memorizing hundreds of pages of plays. And I I realized this, these athletes like your father, they make it look easy on the field and in front of the front of the cameras. But the amount of time they spend watching tapes, mm-hmm. running plays in the weight room, eating, resting. It's incredible. It's almost like a full life commitment. The commitment. Yes. Yes. And, and, and it's, so not it's, a, it's not like even a boxer. You have a team behind you. You have teammates that depend on you as you depend on them. And so it really is almost like an honor code. That right. you go all the way and you don't quit. And this is what you signed up for. And I know that your ribs hurt, your legs hurt, your head hurts. And, but you got to keep fighting forward. This is, this is right. what you're doing. And so I got to see these men with such vigor and resilience. And it almost inspired me, not physically, but mentally to do it in my own fields. Mm. And if they could do it, I could do it. And I there thought that go. was an incredible example for them. And you don't have anybody like, physically trying to knock your head off. So that makes it a little bit more easier. That's right. So I was actually, um, that made me think about like Kyrie Irving and the whole situation with him where everybody is called to, to really sacrifice. You're a part of a team. And especially if you're one of the best players on the team and he kind of refused to get the vaccine, you know, for whatever reason. Uh, okay. But it really put a, a damper on the team as far as their plans and being able to go forward and trying to be the best that they can be. So you run a business, right? Um, What are some things that you try to do to help everyone be a part of the team and learn how to, to sacrifice for the greater good of everyone? Of course. I mean, I, I look to delegate. I, I will always promote from within. I'll bring specialists in for the IT department, but it could be your first day or your 10th year. If you are shining, if you're showing initiative, if you're being mm-hmm. responsible about showing up on time and doing your job, I will find many, many ways to promote you, even if it's as simple as coaching, side-by-siding, doing some classes or even supervision. And so in order for me to expand and scale, I need people with me. And I almost prefer Tony not to bring in someone with 10 years of bad habits that, you know, might have a good shot, but they, they're a problem right. in, the, in the locker room. I, I might like right. somebody that's bilingual because they're intelligent, may never used a phone or a CRM before in a call center. Who cares? That's a one hour's worth of training. But I can you teach you that I, stuff. I mean, we can mold them. We can mentor them. 
They could be like our pledge and our squire. We can really mm-hmm. pass down what's going on and the tips and the tricks and the shortcuts to get them even closer. So I've been more than willing to pass it forward if someone is going to meet me in the middle. Uh, right. I've been disappointed more than angry from time to time. People will peace out on me and not give me a two weeks notice after working for years. And I got to ask this question, Tony, why can't you look in my eyes and say, thank you, Richard. We had a good two years together. What did I do? And right. so as I say before, a lot of this generation is someone who's willing to show me business ethics and being forthright with me. Those are the individuals that will give the foundation of my organization and allow me to continue to grow. Yeah, we're looking for the right people, like oh, yeah. the training, how to do the job. I can teach you all of that stuff. I, but ethics, character, someone who's willing to, to work hard, someone who's just good with people like those are the things those are the invaluable skills that not many people even understand or take into account because I have kids in class and they'll go well Mr. Franklin I get my work done it's like well time out here and I got one student he always says hold on Mr. Franklin flag on the play if he doesn't like something I really like that that's always funny to me shout out to Joe um But I tell the kids, I'm like, it's not just about doing the work. How well do you work with others? Okay, is the work done on time? Okay, are you someone that people like or someone that people don't like? Are you antagonistic? Okay, all of these other things make such a big difference, right? Because we would rather work with the people that we like as opposed to the quote unquote, most talented person. Because the job, a lot of those skills you can get better at, right? But True. being a people person, you can get better at that stuff, but some people is, is more innate, it's more natural for them to just kind of get along with people. Would you, would you agree with that sentiment? Nature versus nurture. I believe that once somebody puts empathy in their organization and in their sort of equation and and who they are, it makes it much easier. As I mentioned, Mm. they could be coming in from another environment, let's say another sports team where they were screaming at you, yelling at you. And that's okay. That might work, but it might not work here. And so in Costa Rica, it's a very strict Catholic country. And I want to make sure I can fulfill the need of the agent. So if there is something that is out of character for them, not in their profile or something they're uncomfortable with, they will pass. But in this environment, as I say before, empathy and compassion is very important. But I've also created something else, my friend, which assists me in building this company culture. I I have a gamification culture. Yes, let's talk about it. Retro machines. and, And so I have a neutral environment, Tony where people can meet each other from other departments, let off steam, recharge batteries, and even hang out with El Jefe for a little bit. So don't tell me that through play is when relationships are built, attrition gets reduced. And instead of just absorbing, now people are contributing because their mind is in a certain area. And and how about this? You've seen athletes, instead of sitting down on the bench, they might stand in pace because they want to still be warm. In between Mm -hmm. breaks and lunches, instead of a cigarette, Instagram, or being by yourself, if you're doing hand-eye coordination on my classic pinball machines, chances are you're going to go upstairs even ready to go much more. You're not not doing a cold start. It's almost like passing the baton. You still have your momentum. And I believe in those sort of things. You come in, and at the end of the eight-hour shift, you should be exhausted because you gave it your all. I just don't like starts and stops. It's very difficult after a heavy lunch of McDonald's. You want to pass out. But some people that eat well and play a little bit of a game, they come back even stronger in the second half. So I'm glad you brought that up because that's one of our one of the pieces that we that we talked about and that I'm really, really interested in because I kind of do something like this in my own classroom. All right. So I have. Uh, just like card game. So I have I have two sets of Uno. I have playing cards. I have Jenga. 
And this game called Distraction is really good. They never know how good it is. I always tell them, this is the best game here. You just don't know it yet. So I have all of these games because my goal as the quote unquote speech teacher is to try to get these kids to learn how to work together. And I feel like the easiest way to that road is to get to know each other. And the easiest way down that road is playing games. Because when you play games, I mean, usually when you're at a party, you're playing games. What are you doing? You're talking, you're chit-chatting. Okay. You're, if, if you're smart about it, you're learning stuff about your opponents, who you're playing with. Okay. This person's a talker. Okay. This person's not a talker, but they're very strategic, right? You're gathering these little nuggets. And I talk to my kids about this, like, this is an opportunity, not just to play games, but to learn about each other. So I'll go, all right, guys, we're going to play games today. And they go, wait, what? We're just going to, I'm like, yeah, we're going to play games. Like, I'm going to put y'all in groups. We're going to have five stations. And so at each station, there's a game. And I say every, what is it? I think it's every three minutes. I say, all right, I'm going to stop you. And I'm going to ask you something, somebody in your group, about someone else. So as they're going along, they're asking these questions, not just about names, but about family likes, dislikes. And so they don't understand that down the road when they start working in groups and I have to ask little Johnny about that project and why his part is not in, it's a little bit easier because I know little Johnny, right? So I'm kind of planting these seeds and I always, always, always use these games to do it. And a lot of people, especially with teachers, you're talking about people with years of experience getting stuck in their ways. Well, Richard, there's no profession that you see that more often than with teachers, people who have been doing it for 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 years where they're doing it a certain way. And you have to understand, like you have to evolve. So my question here is uh, both a rebuttal is awesome, but also where did the gamification start? Where did you get the idea to go? You know what? Maybe I want to bring some games in here not just for morale, but now to use it as like a training tool. Well, my favorite pastime was these retro games. So really yes, it, was my, it was my agent second, Richard first. <laughs> as long as I had the space here and I could go treasure hunting in Costa Rica, it was just filling up. If they want to play the games, it's great. If not, really, it's, it's for my own uh, yep. passion. I have some games at home and I fill it up here. May I circle back one second? You were mentioning yes. About- your, your 20 and 30 year teachers. I, I see the same thing with any sort of industry, Tony. Sometimes people are well too rehearsed. They become mm-hmm. commercialized, more of a print instead of a painting. And I think you understand this better than I do. You might know your material, but you and I are still raw. We're still the old essence of what got us here in the first place. So yeah. we're seriously, we are a character, not in character. And I think it's very important that you see like Dead Poet Society or Tony's Amazing Class where he says all the, you're like the kind of guy that brings in the TV and VCR and they're like, yeah, no test today. <laughs> and so you surprised your class with a gift of game. And then they're like, really? And you're like, yes, but they don't realize the genius behind it. And one of the things I've done, my friend, is when people are filling out resumes for me and they're giving me all the bells and the whistles. I'll walk Mm -hmm. up to them and I'll say, hey, Tony, flip the paper over. And why don't you write me two paragraphs of a coming of age moment? Costa Ricans don't know what that means. They go, what's coming of age? So I have to explain about beating up the bully or saving the kitten from the tree. And so they'll write me a story of when they won. So when it's a rainy Wednesday and they're not feeling so well, I'm like, come on, champ. Remember when you you saved the kitten? And um, these are the sort of things for positive reinforcement that when I learn something from them, not prying too much but they'll share a story with me when they were the greatest. And I'm definitely going to use that to recharge their batteries when they need it. Absolutely. And I think, and I do it as well. I'm always talking. I'm always, what's going on? So this story, we were coming back from spring break and usually a lot of- Where did you go for spring break? I mean, that's the main question. um, Where did I go for spring break? I don't think I went anywhere. I think well, I was doing was this trip some for spring break. Oh, you were just staying home and then everyone came back from, from, uh, okay. Yeah. My kids were coming back from spring break. Okay. That's and cool. a lot of times the assignment for a lot of classes is what did you do over spring break? Write it, whatever. And so I have my kids get in groups cause I'm always making them in groups more often than not. 
because yeah. it's more important that you know how to work with other people than work alone. Sure. Um, I go, okay, I want y'all to talk to each other about spring break. And I want y'all to make a song that includes everybody's spring break in it. <laughs> Very cool. Go, Mr. Franklin, are you serious? We don't write music. What's happening? I'm like, guys, like, I don't want to just hear boring stories about spring break. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to hear, oh, I just stayed at home. I didn't do anything. I played 2K, whatever. I'm like, yeah. come on, guys. Now you got to push yourself. You got to challenge yourself. I know you can do it. You listen to music all the time because they always got the earbuds in. So I'm like, okay, come on. You can do it. And so I just encourage them and they actually go ahead and a lot of kids and some of them, they make some really good stuff. And I go, see, you didn't even know that you can make that great song, but I pushed you to do it. <laughs> I always found that oh, man. people do outside of their norm, like learning music, learning art, writing, it's different. So they're working other areas of their mind. And mm-hmm. as you say, you, you are unlocking this additional creativity that they have. Man, I, and I, I want to have fun. Like I don't want to be somewhere where it's boring. I, I worked in other industries. I didn't start teaching until I went to China. So I was what, 28? Okay. So I started teaching a little bit later on where I already had the opportunity to do some other things that I didn't want to do. So I knew that teaching was was what I wanted to do, where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always looking at how can we make this fun? Like, okay, yeah, they have to learn, but I don't want this to be boring. I don't want to be bored. They don't want to be bored. So let's see if we can figure this out. And obviously uh, it's easier to do that with a class like mine, where it's just about communication and interpersonal relationships. That's pretty much what my class is about. So there's a lot of ways that you can go with that. I'm sure that it may be a little bit more difficult to do it in math where you have some technical things that you have to learn specifically, and they could be very difficult. But I think if you have the right teacher in the classroom, that is not just thinking, how can I make this easy for me? Or how can I just just get the information across and not think about the other side? Because we've all been students before. Right. So you got to think I've been in that classroom sitting bored out of my mind. And now the kids can just they got the phones. They can just pick those phones up. And that's always a, a Man, the battle with phones in schools is crazy. I don't even want to talk about it, but it's a different day and age. So you have to engage. And so I'm always trying to engage. I'm always walking around like, hey, what's up on your phone? What, are you, what is this TikTok about? What is that? They always like, Mr. Franklin, do a TikTok dance with us. I'm like, guys, you know, I'm a teacher, right? As fun as that may be, I have to remain in the... Uh, I don't know, the authoritative figure in here. And if I'm start dancing with you guys all the time, like I don't want to go down this road, but I did do one. If the entire class does their homework and the entire class gets an A on a project that is a little more difficult than normal, the reward that you get is that Tony's going to dance with you. So it's not like you're being a clown or you're being taken advantage of. No, you can make a deal with them. I'd love to see Tony do a dance. And what we're doing is we're dancing to success, kind of like an icky shuffle. And so listen, yeah. if, the whole, if the whole class lands it and the shy kid comes out and does some public speaking, you don't think they deserve a dance? That's a win. That's a win. We'll take so start it. Cutting I'll deals do- with them. Start cutting and then just make the bar a little bit higher, a little more dancing again. And the dancing could be something that's, you know, there was an episode of Happy Days where Potsy sang a song in order to pass a test. So maybe what you could <laughs> do is start having them start, you know, singing back some of the answers of the upcoming test. And it would be interesting for you to start the rhythm and see if people can learn that way. I mean, once again, Tony, you're tapping into your genius and I don't want you to be the traditional teacher. Obviously you're, you're doing things within certain parameters and borders here, but once again, you're cracking codes and obviously you love what you do, which means that you are a real teacher. Yes. Yes. I always say I'm a real teacher because, you know, sometimes when they see Coach Franklin, they go, oh, it's a coach class. I can kick my feet up and I I always have to dispel like, wait, no, it's not what you think. I know some coaches are great teachers and some coaches are not so great teachers because they just want to coach. And I understand that. But when you come into Coach Franklin's class, Tony Rambo's class, you're going to be learning some stuff and we're going to have some work to do. So we touched on gaming. Yeah. And so we got to circle back. 
And I know you know what's coming here. So top five, that's our number, arcade games of all time. Now, this is selling. I'll tell you those, but I want you to give me your favorite arcade games. Yeah, I wish I knew the, the top five games of all time. I know that there's some in the Smithsonian, but my I favorite, think you'll probably know them. I think you'll probably know some of them. I, I I'll mean, let you I'm have a such a retro gamer. I, I'd have to choose my own personal taste. I love Asteroids. Mm-hmm. I love Tempest. I love Robotron, I love mm-hmm. Tron, and I love Spy Hunter. But I'm guesstimating that some of the top ones of all time could definitely okay. be a Pong. It's got to be a Pac-Man and potentially Dragon's Lair. Am I close to any of those? You got one. Pac-Man, of course. That's number right. one. And what uh, are the other four? So Pac-Man's one. Space Invaders is two. Street Fighter 2 Champions Edition. Now, Street Fighter 2, there's got there's a little um the numbers are hard to find, but this was based on the best information that this website could find. Gotcha. Uh number four is Miss Pac-Man. Ooh. And number five is NBA Jam. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's a I mean, I mean, what kind of top five is that? That's crazy. Like you got Pac-Man, NBA Jam, and Street Fighter. I mean, just just to me, as a person that's a little bit younger than you, Mr. Blank, I love those games. Those are awesome. Like I talked about Street Fighter 2 already. Like that is one of the iconic turns in my life, Street Fighter 2. And then NBA Jam, I remember playing uh, with my older cousin, Derek. Shout out to Derek. He's been on my podcast a couple of times and we always talk sports. And I remember playing NBA Jam and we both had our own characters. He had the green alien. I had the one with the basketball head. And <laughs> no, it was it was NBA hang time, which is basically I NBA jam right. console. Gotcha. And so, but these games like just trigger a different time in my life. And some people go, oh, the, the way the times were better. I love the time now. Like what I get to do now <laughs> is awesome. Well, there's a huge difference between these home consoles of your Xbox and PlayStation and even your NES back in the day in television, Coleco, mm. Atari, mm-hmm. you know, Vetrex during my years. But when you have the actual machine, and I'm even talking it's about different. the pinballs as well, there's a huge difference from the marquees to the cabinet art to the button placements. I mean, everything. And so it is a real experience. And, and as I say before, you and I are hoping that it comes back again, these arcades, and people go there to enjoy that because there's some of the most amazing competition when you're live at those places. Yes. It, oh, it's so different. It's so different when you got the person standing next to you and you're just giving it to them and they, they have no answers. <laughs> and I remember my dad taking us to the Butterfly. That was the name of the place, but it was just an arcade where they had a bunch of games to play and they also had, I think, batting cages were there too. Oh, I love a good batting cages. I, I think I might go to one today when we're done, honestly. Uh, but you have to put your quarters up on the marquee because there was a line on certain machines. Uh, I think my I dad got about that too. There was a certain respect. I, guess, I think he kept all the quarters and all the coins and all of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. But you also have like Dave and Buster's where you can go now still to play games. And it's, but it's so different. It's so dead in those places a lot of times. The kids don't even get out to those kind of arcades. Maybe on a Saturday evening, you will see it a little packed, but it was any time before. It was any time. I couldn't agree with you more. That's why, as I say before, if I have my little piece of heaven here, I'm going to take very good care of it. I would implore you to do so. Okay. So we've talked about games and gamification. Now, like, what are some tweaks that you've had to make along the way, like in the workplace? Because I know, well, I don't know this. I'm just guessing that people can't just get up and go play games whenever they feel like it. Oh, sure. sure. No, they have structure here. They have a break every two hours, a, you know, mm-hmm. break, a lunch, a break, and then they go home at the end of the day. But a lot of agents come in earlier. They stay a little bit later. But, you know, the main adjustment that I had to do business-wise was work from home. I mean, right when COVID hit, uh, usually the people like my brick and mortar location at the call center because of internet redundancy electricity. 
and IT support. And so the law said we could only have 50% of the people here. I chose 20% just in case for PCI compliance, onboarding and new agents, or in case something happens, they're on a turnkey station. But mm-hmm. say what you want. You know as well as I do when you're live in your classroom, there's that synergy, just like in the oh. culture where all parts work together for the common good of the whole. And, and my environment's a speaking environment. It's not like an accounting office where people just crunch numbers and don't talk. They're on the phone speaking. And so once again, we are professional speakers. And so when people are working from home, they kind of, it's almost like working out at home. You can still have a good workout, but if you and I are working out in the gym, you know, you're going to push me. Oh, it's different. It's different there. And so I, I feel that we're missing that, the essence of what a call center brick and mortar does. But we made the adjustments. I mean, there's open channels. We communicate and do the Zoom. But you and I both know there's a huge difference between live and virtual. Oh, man. I mean, teaching from home, I hated it. I hated it, hated it, hated it. I could not wait to get back to school. And I know that that is probably unpopular opinion, but man, when I'm in my classroom and I got my kids and we got stuff going, just like you said, it is so much different, especially, especially when you got a good lesson that involves people. And it's kind of one of those things where it's like, it's fast paced, much like probably a call center environment. And you got these targets that you got to hit and you got like uh, what we call them exit tickets, where before you leave the classroom, everybody has to answer like these questions, I guess, like a quota, you could call it. And when you get to the end of that class and everybody's like, oh, yeah, well, this is what we did. This is what we learned. Okay, well, how'd your group happen? Well, ours didn't go like that. It went like this. And so I missed that so much. And it's just not the same online because online there's no accountability, really. Kids could turn the cameras off and just pretty much go to sleep. And um, a lot of times um, districts and schools are just kind of imploring you to um, not go all the way with the kid as far as their grades are concerned. It was really like, you know, help them out. You know, it's a tough time for everybody kind of thing. And, you know, I don't want to get myself in trouble, but no, it, uh, it, it wasn't the, the the biggest thing that people were pushing. It was really kind of advocacy for the situation. But we you you know, lost it's like all the ball and dragging Johnny. You're not forcing a fit. No, the kids got it in them. It's just the fact that they're at home. They don't get that sort of reinforcement from you. And that's yeah. sort of stimulation to get them to be motivated. And, and I get it. And it's not your fault, Tony. And and obviously you can hear through your sincerity how it affected you and affected me. And it's not like it's a punishment for them to be back there. No, no, this is what it's about. This is how we're able to work with each other and to be able to expand from there. Mm -hmm. And people talk a lot about about the the kids and probably uh, a customer, but there's something to be said for being with the people that you work with. And yeah. being able to talk to that that next that teacher next door, like me and the teacher next door, because we both came back. We used to be in the hallway because we had these block schedules, which we hadn't done at our school. Right. But you have a block schedule where your class is an hour and a half instead of 45 minutes. OK, so you go from teaching 45 minutes this school year and having everything prepared for 45 minutes to going to double in that time. So. That was a huge flip. And just think about having kids in your classroom for an hour and a half. Like, there's no way you're going to be teaching and they're going to be learning actively for the entire hour and a half. It's just not going to happen. And so me, me and this teacher next door, I mean, we would just have these talks just outside, just in the hallway, you know, before class started. And because we had so much time, these talks were a little bit more lengthy and Sometimes we still refer back to it like, man, it's just like COVID times where we would just talk in a hallway. And so that is a rapport, like a bridge that we've built now in our relationship. And so and me and, and this coach is not even really a guy that's a big talker, but me and him, it would, <laughs> I think even just looking now, it's like weird because like this guy is like, like total opposite of me. Like I'm this short black guy, I'm five, eight ish. 
He's like 6'2", white guy, played baseball, not a talker. He likes to golf. But we have like this synergy now that we've built from being in the vicinity together. And you just can't replicate that online. Yeah, but, you know, Tony, a lot of the times you'll have naysayers and great believers, the people in your circle outside of the office, your family and close friends. And if you try to balance ideas back and forth, you know, once again, it, it just might be limited. And, yeah. and, and it's this bubble that you're in. And so sometimes they say you get the best advice from strangers or bartenders or people you just never met before because you're not being yeah. judged. And right. there's, there's this coworker, this colleague of yours, regardless, male, female, young or old, black and white, this individual likes you for who you are and they're yeah. not judging you and they're not going to go home with you and tell, you know, your family what you're doing. This individual has your confidence and I think yeah. over that year and with COVID and just talking about family and life, you guys bonded almost better than you could have possibly done oh. with some of your family members. Yeah. And, and trust me, I bet you this individual speaks the same of you and how you guys were there for each other. So, yeah, you do have that special bond. And this person is going to keep your secrets and you can laugh and cry with them and tell them the good and the bad. And, and that's cool. And the more individuals you can get that can be a, a straight shooter with you, Tony, call the yep. balls and the strikes and tell you to straighten the tie. Those are the <laughs> ones that you keep close to you. One hundred percent. So yeah. we already kind of got into the COVID subject, uh, but our number here that I, that I sent to you and I thought this was, I had no idea that this number was so high. So California spent 453 days on lockdown. And that's the highest number that I've seen from any city or state or country. Yes. Um, the only country that was closest is Argentina. And they spent 234 consecutive days on lockdown, which when lockdown happened, you know, I don't, I don't even want to talk about lockdown. I had to find a way to get out, but COVID affects our business and our social skills and how our interpersonal communication has worked over these past few years, really. Uh, Cause people talk about all the time, like these 11th graders, they were like eighth graders. The last time they were at school with people. So they kind of miss like a year and a half to two years of socialization and maturing in that aspect. So how has COVID affected uh, your workplace as well? You talked about the 20% capacity and not being able to really have people in, but also how did you see it affect people's uh, communication skills as well in Costa Rica where you are? They felt isolated. Mm. They were scared. We all were in the beginning. We weren't sure what was happening. And once again, people just wanted to go home and to protect themselves. But as I said before, when the dust settled and people were starting to communicate a little bit more on other channels, we adjusted accordingly. And, and as I mm -hmm. say, these individuals were saving a ton of time and money by not traveling here and spending more time with their family. So there was a good payoff to that. Me personally, I doubled down. I work out every day at 530 in my home gym for a couple hours. I do the cardio weights. I hit a bag and work on the core stomach. Wow. Eat a huge you know, breakfast to get that energy in there. And as I mentioned, drive to work in the convertible. And so my life mm. didn't change. What I wanted to do is I say, make no excuses, double mm. down. And I'm almost 50 years old. I could almost beat myself up when I was when I was 18. I'm in the best shape of my life right now. And so the only example I could give is my own example. And I'm not going to tell people to do something if I'm not going to do it myself. And yep. so when I show up every day on time in a suit at the ready, walking the rows, talking to the departments, that's leadership. And yes. so as I say, there's no secret CEO cracked code. I mentioned empathy, but I also mentioned accountability. And mm -hmm. I want to give people job stability. And as long as I can give the agents their dignity and not make them feel like numbers are robots, they're going to come back. I won't be that kid at Chuck E. Cheese with no one at their birthday. I got a packed right. house right now, or at least I did. And these people are continuing to put wind in my cell. So, Tony, it's very easy. What you and I discussed today with you and your amazing class and me and my call center, you and I are very much on almost every 
same page. The only difference is Philly and Detroit, and we can teach each other for that. Besides <laughs> that one page, everything else we have, my main man, is in common. Man, Richard, I feel like I could just leave my job and come work for you right now. <laughs> not working for me, Tony. You're working with me. When you come in, you're a total yes. C-level executive. I'll have you the vice president of fun. How does that sound? <laughs> oh, I know how to have some fun. Oh, yeah. Okay. Wow. I mean, this, I just want to say honestly, like this episode has been amazing. Like I could just listen to you talk all the time. <laughs> we had a good time, so, didn't we? It was a good run. We're not done yet. We got my right, last cool, thing that I close go. out. Keep asking. I got my last thing I close out with. Uh, right. And you can take as long as you want with these questions, right? My three what's. All right. And so the first one is, what's an opinion you have in your field or outside of your field that would be considered unpopular? There is a huge misconception of telemarketers misconception of CEOs and people sometimes give business owners a bad rap. You've seen Boiler Room, Wolf of Wall Street, Glen Gowry. There's nothing wrong with people selling stock in those sort of verticals. But what you see in Hollywood is sometimes not what is really the reality at a call center. (laughs) And also being a CEO of a company, I have leverage, Tony. I could hire and fire you, make or break you. And some people like this sort of position to Mm -hmm. make people cry, deface them, you know, really show your strength. That's the actually the quite opposite. I think once again, you should be working with people to have that sort of synergy. And finally, telemarketing, there's a lot of people out there that not just work at call centers, but make and receive calls for companies. And as long as you Mm -hmm. show active listening, as long as you have your rebuttals, as long as you ask for clarification from people, in order to avoid any sort of rabbit holes and especially positive escalations, where if you're speaking to somebody prior to being transferred to a decision maker, making sure verbally how incredible that person was and following it up with an email written. So if you ever have to call a company back or speak to an assistant to a principal, that individual Mm -hmm. is going to say, Tony, thank you so much for telling the principal how great I am. I can't wait to add to your momentum and transfer the call. And so these are the sort of soft skills that won't compromise your ethics or values, but will definitely increase in job fulfillment. And so if anything and nothing, and you're hearing my passion behind this, I, I don't need to prove yeah. anything to anybody. But once I can show you what's you know in the kitchen and under the hood, maybe I am going to break some of these stereotypes and misconceptions of what it's like to do telemarketing as CEO in a call center. What's the biggest stereotype or misconception that you typically hear or see from people about telemarketing or call centers that we call you during dinner. And if I do, Tony, we can't be friends anymore. So I promise you that's not (laughs) going to happen. There's a lot of companies out there that are looking for scalability. They need people to assist them for overflow after hours or just to compare apples. And so the sort of campaigns I work with is inbound support for movies and music. I work with an incredible law firm with transportation, industrial real estate, travel industries, education, So there are so many different accounts that are out there that do need this sort of telemarketing inbound and outbound support. And and finally, a lot of companies are choosing omni-channel non-voice support, where all you get to do is fill out a form or use chat. I think that's terrible. People need to speak to clients so they can have retention. They can upsell them, maybe get a referral. And if worst case scenario, Tony... Maybe get an exit interview to see what I could have done to improve my services or what my competition did in order mm. to earn their business. So as much as you're looking at the phones and these kids are great at chatting and typing, they are losing the art of speech. Hey, I have a question. Do your students write in cursive as well? Because I always encourage my agents to take notes in cursive. Oh man, cursive. They don't even know what cursive is. I love oh, man, writing I'm in cursive. So old school. <laughs> I'm too old school. Your dad I almost write, write everything in cursive. If I'm writing, it kind of just moves into cursive because I, I feel like it's easier to write in cursive than print. I don't have to pick my pencil up. It's just a suggestion. It's just another part of the art of speech. I don't think they teach cursive anymore. Maybe you should in your class. Oh, man. People freak out over it and think it's cool, like they're writing in some sort of James Bond spy leader. (laughs) 
Okay, second what? If you weren't doing what you're doing now, CEO of Costa Rica Call Center, founder, trainer, you've trained over 10,000 employees. I read that as well. Not just employees, but just, you know, people who have gone off and done their other thing as well. Yeah. What would you be doing if you weren't doing this? Well, I'd be writing children's books. Oh, I got a ton of ideas. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to give it all away. But okay. it does involve a little bit of a Rube Goldberg experiment and mini golf. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm telling you. And the rest <sighs> you'll see in, in good time. Man, a man of many talents. <laughs> I uh, actually recently I had on, a, I guess, actually two days ago, that episode is going to come out on Sunday. Uh, her name is Jody Krangle. And she used to do uh, music with someone who is an illustrator. And so I checked out her stuff and it was all awesome. And she actually wrote lyrics to their music. So I'm like, wow, she's amazing. So I I always love to, if I have an opportunity to to pick people's brains about the creative process and how they put things together, because um, I I look at myself as a creative as well. I've always... I feel like I've always kind of been that way. I'm always like tinkering. How can we change this? How can we, how can we move this around? Or, oh, that's really cool. Let's try this. Or I'm not good at that. Let's see what I am good at. And let me try that like these guitars here. So yeah, the creative process is always very interesting to me. Whenever you start writing those children's books, uh, I got to have you on again. So we can talk about that. Definitely. <laughs> okay. Last what? Sure. And you probably could do another podcast just about this last question. What advice would you give to someone that's in high school? So if I showed this episode or this part of the episode to my kids in class, what would you be able to tell them? Thank you. And I'm true to my 18-year-old self. I loved Spanish. And I know that there was a forced fit of me going into a preset career, I would have never been satisfied and been at my best potential. Mm. And not unfortunately, but my friends could not really compare notes to what I was doing. They had their own, they had their own paths, their own destinies. No one was going to learn a second language and move abroad and start a call center. So once again, I had to stand tall. I had to not quit. I had to make sure that I was going to go all the way just to see if I were capable and I had the potential. And so uh, my suggestion for somebody at that age is to do the due diligence, to maybe do some internships or volunteer work to not just build your confidence, but to at least try these sort of industries that you might be into. Bring a notepad with you so you can actually take notes and really ask like you did prior to this podcast, you were more than prepared. Oh, you get an A plus in my, in my book. And so there's nothing wrong. And you're not saying they're acting like we're adults. No, they're acting responsibly. They're being mature. Mm-hmm. And you can do that at any age. And so if somebody comes prepared and, and, and also dedicated practice, just don't do your five hours, one hour a day in class. These are the sort of things you should be mastering when you're not in school, when you're not on camera. I Mm -hmm. myself did additional Spanish when I wasn't in class, watching movies, reading, having an intercambio so I can talk over coffee. And so these Mm. are the sort of things that your father did to become a semi-professional athlete like you have done to be a top teacher because you're preparing your lesson plans. And I myself as a speaker, a bilingual speaker, and the amount of hours all of us have put into it. And so my suggestion for your young audience who are the future amazing leaders of this world is to do your dedicated practice, hold your ground, stand, be true to yourself. And when you look mm-hmm. in the mirror, give yourself five because you should be proud of yourself. <laughs> and so those are the sort of advices that I could give to your amazing students. Wow, Richard. I mean, I can't even think of a better place for us to hang our hat. Um, At this point, I want you to, uh, you can plug your socials, you can plug plug your business, whatever you got going on. It's your time to shine. Go ahead, throw it in there. 
Thanks, Tony. Well, obviously, I wasn't selling a thing today. What I wanted to do is just spend <laughs> time with a with a friend. But if someone is interested in contacting me, and this is a main suggestion for you, buy a ticket, mm-hmm. fly down and come visit me. That's number one. But if you want to call me, 888-271-6750, you can send me an email at ceocostaricascallcenter.com. And Tony, when this goes live, I'm putting mm-hmm. you on my Facebook fan page. I got 98,000 Costa Ricans that are going to love to meet you. And, and it will give your audience a real pulse on what the business process outsourcing industry is in Costa Rica. Now, Costa Rica, Central America, north of Panama, south of Nicaragua. I'm the only mm-hmm. democratic society. There's no standing army. All of that money got put back into education. We have a 95% literacy rate. We have the most neutral accent of Latin America and also companies such as HB, Intel, Oracle, and Amazon are here. And so it really is a powerhouse in regards to the industry. Wow. That's, I mean, that's amazing. You just sold Costa Rica. I mean, now you didn't know this, obviously, but my wife and I, as we came back and we're pretty much because once you live abroad, like your perspective is, is so different. It's true. I, I mean, actually live somewhere, not just vacation or hang out. But once you move, stay there for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. So when we come back, we're just thinking, like, do we want to retire here in America? Like, do we want to deal with America? Because all of, that's when all of this stuff was going on and everything was kind of happening. It's like, yeah. And so Costa Rica is actually on our, our short list because one thing that we did want to do is stay on this hemisphere to be able to get back home a lot faster and a lot easier as opposed to going overseas. So there you go. I think it just made it to the top of the list. Thank you, That's Richard. Cool. You're awesome. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, my friend. This was excellent today. I mean, I couldn't have asked for a better episode. So everyone make sure you like, subscribe, share, download, wherever you're listening to this, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever that may be. You can send your comments. You can rate, review. You can email the show, onetonyrambles at gmail.com. You can follow me on TikTok and Instagram at underscore Tony Rambles underscore. I appreciate you listening and I will see you all in the next ramble. Wow. <laughs>